Because I'm married to a super nerd that has to see all of this shit in three. Hello. Let me tell you about a place somewhere up in New York way where the people are so gay, twisting the night away. Here they have a lot of fun, putting trouble on the run. Man, you find the old and young, twisting the night away. They're twisting, twisting, everybody's feeling great. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Film Find, the greatest movie podcast ever. Assuming you've never heard a movie podcast before, we are back, and it is a full podcast today with a full, uh, full, full host roster here. Uh, Laura is back, of course. You can say hello anytime you feel like. Hi. She whiz. <laughs> And that laugh on the other end is a guy who hasn't been here in quite some time. Matthew Smith, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for having me back. It's good to get my voice out again, I guess. Yeah. We've uh, we've all been busy, had a lot of stuff to do, but uh, we are back. And uh, Alfonso Curran's Gravity is what's doing it for us now. So uh, it's been quite some time since we've had a film from that man. And uh, I guess he's a guy who I'm sure pretty much everybody has really enjoyed his career thus far. So uh, what has he brought us this time? What was worth waiting, what, six, seven years, something like that? Yeah, it was uh, Children Men. What was that? Two thousand six, I think. Six, if I'm not. Yeah, mistaken. that sounds about right, actually. So yeah, I mean, you're looking at a long wait between films here and this. Uh, and Unpopular gravity. opinion: Itu Mama Tambien. I feel is a better movie than Children of Men. Ooh, that is that. It's interesting. I did actually. I actually saw that one in the theater. I was one of the few people who actually got to see that. But uh, yeah, we'll we'll talk about that kind of stuff a little bit later. I just got. I think yeah. we need to start out with the bang. Let's get the get the uh, unpopular opinion out there. Yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you why you're wrong. <laughs> the film find at gmail dot com. Just uh, forward all of your uh, concerns and uh, and uh, letters to there. Uh, yeah. So before we get started here, I want to talk about something that uh, I've decided to. Um, take on for some weird reason. I guess I, I'd always been thinking about it, but it never really started, uh, you know, running with it. Um, but I decided the day before Hallow- uh, the day before October, uh, I decided, you know what, I want to do a 31 days of Halloween horror. I want to put the videos up on YouTube, and I want to put a video out every single day talking about a horror movie from now until Halloween. And boy, that's a that's quite the undertaking. I'll tell you that much right now. And um, but I've been doing it. We've got, uh, I think, like five or six out uh, right now. But uh, go to youtube.com slash thefilmfind, or you can uh, just look for the link on the front of thefilmfind.com. There you'll find the links to uh, subscribe to us so you can follow and not miss one every single day. Also go to facebook.com slash thefilmfind. There you can uh, friend us on Facebook and everything so you can keep up to date with all the goings on of the show. But uh, yeah, I've I've enjoyed doing the uh, the movies so far, and I think once we kind of start the second week of movies, I'm going to start getting into themes, and I'm excited to do themes because I'm going to do. Uh, there's going to be a week of uh, sequels, I believe, sequels that are were worth it, good sequels, 
And I think I'm going to do uh, a week of uh, remakes, good remakes, remakes that are good. Remakes are, you know, a big thing, and they're not always bad. Sometimes remakes are good. I'm going to be highlighting some of the good remakes that are out there. And uh, maybe a few different things here and there. So uh, please do that. Filmfind.com there. You'll find the links to follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, subscribe on YouTube, all of that BS. Uh, so what we're going to do today, though, is... Uh, we're going to take a break, then we'll come back. We're going to do some What You've Been Watching. I'm sure we've all had some interesting things since our last get-together. And uh, then we're just going to jump into uh, our review of Gravity. So with that, everybody, we are going to take a little break. We'll come right back with What You've Been Watching. Oh, hi there. It's Adam from the Film Fine Podcast. I'm sure right now you're enjoying this fine podcast and a candlelit bath along with a nice Chardonnay. And why not? You deserve it. But let's face it, life can't always be this relaxing. Sometimes you need to take two minutes out and help a friend. In this case, a podcast. That's right, here at the Film Vine, we need your iTunes review. A review on iTunes helps our podcast reach more people just like you who love thoughtful movie discussions. So after you've washed all that chamomile out of your hair, head on down to thefilmfine.com and click on the subscribe on iTunes button and leave us a review. Now back to your regular scheduled program. Welcome back. We are going to jump into a little bit of what you've been watching. Matt, what have you been watching uh, even just in the past couple while? We don't need even need the last week. Yeah. You haven't been here in a bit, so uh, elaborate us. Uh, sh- t- show us what you got. <laughs> oh Well, I'm not going to go that elaborate because it's, it's a lot. Uh, school's <laughs> back in full swing. Um, but I, I do want to say uh, that one of the best things I've seen in the theater in the past little while was Lake Bell's In a World. In um, a world where pants come off. <laughs> yes, sorry. yes. Uh, great little flick. Uh, it's very funny. Um, everybody does a great job. It won the Best Screenplay Award at, at uh, Sundance. Um, Lake Bell wrote, directed, and starred in it. Um, and I highly recommend that movie. Uh, it was quite refreshing, actually, after all of the normal pomp of the summer had ended. Yeah. Um, now, kinda, now, you know. now I, 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 I joked with the, you know, the inner world, but that is what it's about. It's about a uh, chick trying to uh, get into the uh, voiceover business. Yeah. Right? Her, her father is, uh, is a prominent voiceover um, artist. Uh, also Dan Marino is, uh, is that his name? Ken Marino. Dan Ken. Marino's the football player. <laughs> Lace is out. I'm, I'm, I'm sitting yeah. thinking, I'm like, is Dan Marino trying Ken to get Marino. into acting? Yeah. No, Ken, I'm going to dip my balls in it. Dip Marino, my balls in it. Yeah, exactly. Is, uh, is also a, an up and coming star in the, in the voiceover world. And, uh, Lake Bell's character, uh, throws herself into the mix when they are producing a very, 
Hunger Games-like movie series, and they decide that after the death of Don LaFontaine, they're going to bring back the phrase. And she goes and puts in her audition and pisses everybody off. Don LaFontaine—it's very funny, best, isn't he? I wanted to see that actually. It was playing in a theater near here. Yeah, it got a pretty small rollout, um, and it was not. Not well advertised where it was, uh, but I happened upon it uh, here and said, okay, I'm going to go see this because I haven't been to uh, to an art theater in a while. And so I went and saw it and it was good. So whenever it comes out on, I'm sure it'll be on Netflix uh, very shortly, within a matter of months. So recommended. Cool. Anything else? Um, the other thing that I want to, I want to say about a TV show, actually, that... I think got some attention, but didn't get a whole lot of uh, attention, mostly because everybody was taken up with the last little bit of Breaking Bad. Um, so when I was still doing the Film Find News, uh, my buddy Alston and I did uh, a review of the first show, uh, the f- premiere episode of The Bridge. And I think it, it just finished this week, and it had – what might be the strongest first season of a show I've seen in quite some time. Hmm. Um, Thoroughly enjoyable and satisfying in ways that a lot of shows constantly frustrate me as far as character development, uh, plot coherence, things like that. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Uh, The bridge is worth checking out. I'm sure that it will get renewed for a second season because it, uh, did extremely well because um, <laughs> unlike every other uh, cable network, FX doesn't pile all of its shows into that Sunday night, nine to 11 time slot. So uh, yeah, the bridge was awesome. Uh, everything about it was great. So, so that's on FX check- proper, not FXX, just FX. It's on FX because okay. it's not a comedy. Which <laughs> oh, that, is, that <laughs> right? is that really, is that the delineation between the two? Because uh, like I've only really like watched it. it's only sunny. I was about to on say it FXX. seems like it because you got the league and sunny. It's always sunny on that. that and okay. totally biased. And I think Archer is moving over there. And yeah, it seems like they're just. They say that it's a generational split, but I think what they're doing is is a genre split. Hmm. Um, and it might be that those shows actually do appeal more to the younger demographic, but I, I can't imagine that it's. I mean, people who watch uh, who watch the adult shows on FX uh, also watch Sunny and yeah. Archer. You know what I mean? Like, there's no reason. To, I, I don't know. We'll see how that move plays out in general. But I'm a little dubious as to the need for their second network. Yeah, it's like what what else are they running on that network other than those? I mean, in like, I, I think I they're doing know. a lot of a uh, lot of syndicated stuff they doing a lot of spike tv from back in the day where it's just like all right here's a some ah, fuck it we got some next gen there's always next gen people always just throw next gen gen right there i think it i think it ran its route on uh like it's finished up on bbc america now so now next gen has to go somewhere fxx might as well be it it's like all right so uh, we're we're gonna put that because you know all the kids that are hip to the archer and the it's always sunny you're totally down with watching next generation from 25 years ago. <laughs> or uh, what was it? The other one that Spike always, Spike always threw on cops. Yeah. It was just like, uh, well, we have a Fox tw- show. So it might show. We have there, 20 you know? years of cops. Uh, fuck it. Throw it up there. 
We got plenty yeah. of disposable material for here. Let's just throw. I got a buddy who shoots for cops who I used to work with in news and uh, thought that was so fucking amazing that like somebody I actually knew uh, was going to be a cameraman on on cops. And I, was, I mean, that's pretty cool. I'll be like, how, like, <laughs> those dudes are usually in better shape than the cops that they're following. So they're running yes. with, you know, 30-pound cameras on their shoulder. And cameras have thankfully gotten lighter. But, you know, seriously, though, back in the day, you're looking at a beta camera on your shoulder. That's like 30 pounds with yes. all the battery and everything else that you have to put on it. So those motherfuckers were tough. But I don't know. It is um, yet to be seen. Have you watched any? I mean, we're going off on TV for a second. If you has anyone watched the Esquire Network? I haven't even looked at it. Uh, yeah, it's it's a lot of also syndication. Um, <laughs> oddly enough, uh, but there is a show Brew Dogs that I saw that's pretty solid. Hmm. Um, it's about two Scottish. Uh, I think they're Scottish. Yes, they have to be because it's beer and not whiskey, so it's Scottish. <laughs> um, otherwise, because I couldn't t- I couldn't remember if they were Irish or not, but they're they're definitely Scottish. Um, they come to the U.S. and they tour all of the microbreweries and, uh, I don't know. It's, it's good. I like beer enough to watch that show occasionally. I don't like DVR it or anything, but it's on there. It's good. I vaguely remember seeing a promo for that, I think. Um, I haven't seen any of the other shows. There's another thing where it's like celebrity or celebrity comics going out and, Taking it's like Anthony Bourdain style, but with com- like comedians. Oh yeah, I just Something I was listening like to a podcast and they were talking about that, and and the guy and uh, they were like, I saw this thing and it was like it's such a ripoff of Anthony Bourdain, and you look at all this stuff and you're just like, this is the same shit he did. And then at the end, it's like produced by Anthony. Bourdain. Okay, well we can't feel so bad about them ripping it off when he's right. just like, hey, go do my formula. Right. Yeah. No. 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 I, w- I wasn't even saying that. It no. Was, no. No. Uh, no. But that's what he said so, when he was watching it. It's Anthony Bourdain, but your host is a new comedian every week, I think is the conceit, or it's a lot of comedians and maybe other celebrities as well. I can't remember, but I haven't, I haven't watched a lot of Esquire, but I've seen, I've seen some of it and it seems all right. Hmm. All right, Laura, have you watched anything in particular this week that you would like to highlight? I watched Valley Girl again. That's probably my favorite romantic comedy, romantic movie. (laughs) I love it. Nicholas Cage and his uh, Superman chest hair. Yes. Superman patch of Jester. Yeah, hey, I I am I do think that I was born late or my mom has joked and I think you've joked too. The music that I listened to and and the stuff I just kinda got trapped in like the eighties when I was younger, of uh, just watching movies and listening to certain music. So I love the soundtrack and one of my favorite moments in a movie where it just it always just gives me goosebumps is the first time Deborah Foreman as Julie and Nick Cage as Randy look at each other at the valley party. They look at each other, and it's just the way that they look at each other. Like, oh, that's so that's so great. I love I'm it. Take your face off. No, you don't understand. I would argue that this is probably Nicolas Cage's best movie. So some of the best lines. I'm not alone in this, right? Nicolas Cage has had some great performances. Whether, I mean, have you seen The Wicker Man? It is a. <laughs> No, I whoa, thought- whoa, 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 whoa. Let's not besmirch the Wicker Man remake. The Wicker... Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Laura, you must... This is going to be one of the Halloween ones that we have to see. Ladies and gentlemen, if you have not seen the Ricker- Wicker Man remake... What is that? 2003, four, something like that? Yeah, I've never seen the original. Somewhere around that neighborhood. It is one of the most gloriously terrible, fun movies to watch. It is just like... The the director's on drugs of some sort, and Nicolas Cage is for sure on drugs as this movie is going on. I mean, if you ever wanted to see Nicolas Cage hijack a girl on, for a bike at gunpoint and punch numerous women in the face, 
watch the yeah. Wicker Man remake. No, some while dressed in a bear suit. Yeah, some some of these things while dressed in a bear suit. I think I would rather just continue to watch Valley Girl. Oh, it is so fantastic. Or Man. Vampire's Kiss or Raising Arizona. But uh, You hated Raising Arizona. <laughs> I didn't hate it. I think it's a little overhyped, but it's still enjoyable. Um, and I've been watching RuPaul's Drag Race because they're re-airing season one. So I've been enjoying that in all its Vaseline glory. <laughs> Well, because the 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 budget for that show, the first season, is really bad, so the lighting is fucking terrible. So, uh, you know, f- fans of Drag Race joke about how it looks like the the camera lens is smeared in Vaseline because you. We can't. call that the Barbara Streisand filter, or the Barbara Walters view, uh, filter, right? Oh, it's yeah. very yeah. So RuPaul gets that treatment, especially in a lot of the close-ups. You see, it's just it's tough to define features because the lighting is so bad. But I enjoy it. I love my drag queens. That's I think much- uh, I think Vaseline glory is something that most men experience in like middle school. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me, I'm going to go Vaseline glory. Uh, I say that's a good band name, right? Vaseline glory. I call that his band name. <laughs> call it. That's what I do. I'm good at that. It's another sweet. That's another sweet band name right there. But, uh, but that's pretty much it. I, I really haven't been watching a lot. I've just been. Looking at stuff online. Uh, you know what? I, I forgot. I forgot to mention. Your this. time is over, Matt. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> so I went to see the Grandmaster, the new uh, Wong Kar Wai Ip Man movie. Yes, I've heard it is like super long. Am I right about that? Well, here's the crazy thing. So Weinstein Company bought it, uh, the rights here, and it, it's not super long. Uh, I think it's the, a director's cut. I heard of that's, that's the director's the that's cut really is. Like two and a half hours, so not not egregiously long. Um, but the Weinstein Company compresses it down to a, like they had somebody go in and edit it. Uh, what that does <laughs> not sound un- like the Weinstein. Completely I unrelated know. to the production, and they trimmed about twenty five minutes or so out of the film, so it runs at two hours and one minute. Which why that makes a difference, I have no fucking clue because I will tell you. Uh, if you're bringing a foreign film like that to the United States, the same eight people that are going to be in that movie on a Saturday night are going to be there no matter which cut you have. Right. You know? uh, in any case, uh, it was gorgeous. The U.S. cut makes absolutely no fucking sense um, because they rearrange scenes. And uh, and yes, I've seen I, I've seen the international version. I uh, acquired it. Uh, via the internet. A truck. Um, yes, via a truck named the internet. Um, <laughs> it's a series of tubes, and if you back that and, truck up in it... And it makes no sense. Like, literally, they edit it to the point where they are inserting uh, intertitles to explain what is going on. For crying because Because they did not let you just see the, like, ten minutes that they trimmed out of that section of the movie. That's ridiculous. So you end up with stupid intertitles like, and then she went to the temple and prayed and made a vow that she was never going. It's like, well, just show me her going to the fucking temple and doing that. I know it's there because I've seen the other cut, you know? Yeah. Um, At least make a montage of it of some but, sort. But it's gorgeous. And uh, Wong Kar Wai does a really great uh, subversion of what we might normally think of as the Hong Kong action style um, using his, his traditional uh, use of his, his traditional use of 
slow motion montage uh, kind of effects. He he really does create something quite original. So also recommended, but definitely seek out the international cut. Cool. All right, let's get into what I've been watching. Uh, recently, I went to see a uh, documentary called Euro Crime, the Italian cop and gangster films that ruled the 1970s, uh, written and directed by Mike Malloy. Um, it's it's. I'll tell you what. Uh, it pretty much covers like all the. It's it's like the uh, like the title says. It co- covers the uh, cop and gangster movies of the 70s and uh, kind of going into the 80s as well. Uh, it's just kind of it's a regular kind of documentary. It is it's a long documentary for a documentary that you would think wouldn't encompass quite so much. It is like right at two hours. So uh, if you if you've ever gone into a documentary going, I wish we had more, you're definitely going to be getting enough by this. I mean, there was like one or two people in the crowd that uh, when the title card came up said in conclusion clapped. So if that tells you anything, but uh, it's got you know. Franco Nero and John Saxon, Henry Silva, just a, a boatload of people from uh, back in the day talking about how um, the spaghetti westerns then evolved into the uh, Italian um, gangster films and whatnot, and how so many of these things just so blatantly ripped off American movies, uh, American uh, crime movies, in many cases almost <laughs> verbatim in some ways because they would just like he would show a couple clips it's like here's one from Dirty Harry here's one from another movie look how the lines are damn near exactly the same and uh but uh, it's a good documentary the only the only little gripe that I would have with it is that the uh, the quality varies a good bit because you know obviously to get out to all the different uh interviews you have to um <clears throat> You have to send out several different people, so the quality is going to be different going from one thing to another. And um, um, the only, the only, <laughs> the other problem I had was uh, one of the interviewees is uh, Claudio uh, Fragasio, I believe that's how you say his last name. And for those of you who are not quite familiar with that name, this is the guy who directed Troll Two. And when this man is on screen and speaking about anything, you can't take anything he says seriously because you know he's the director of Troll Two. And uh, I, I just and if you've seen that, if you've seen uh, Best Worst Movie Ever, you can um, definitely tell that this guy is a nut job who just does not know how horrible of a filmmaker he truly is. Um, Let's see. Also, uh, we saw our second VHS documentary of the year. Our third will be coming from director uh, Mike Malloy, and uh, I'll uh, just let everything everybody know. Uh, I'll actually be having a small piece of uh, footage that I shot in in his movie in his uh, next VHS uh, documentary. So, uh, and we'll we'll review that. I'm sure because because I got some stuff in it, and I'll be totally impartial. Uh, but uh, we did watch Rewind This from uh, Josh Johnson. Uh, unlike our, uh, what was it? There's so many fucking ones I got to remember. What was the name of the other one, dear? So this one's called Rewind This. The other one was Plastic Adjust Your, tra- adjust your Tracking. That's yeah. right. Uh, so unlike Adjust Your Tracking, which kind of, Adjust Your Tracking focused a little bit more on the actual collector itself and the different things like that. Rewind This focuses a little bit more. They still focus on collectors, but a little bit more on the journey that VHS took from, you know, its kind of inception to, you know, uh, the rise of the porn, porn um, then dictating basically that VHS was going to be the way to go and then the death of VHS and all that. So uh, it's, a, it's a pretty good flick. Um, enjoyed it and can't wait to see the... Uh, the next uh the next VHS documentary uh 
I think that hopefully that's it by that point. I don't think we need more than three VHS documentaries at this point. Not, you know, whatever. Uh, I'm actually surprised there isn't more than the one uh, VHS book that the guy that does uh, Alma Draft House, uh, their like theater manager or whatever, put yeah. out a book about VHS covers. Yeah, and, and I'll say this: there is. I think uh, that's the only one that I know about, and I'm kind of thankful that's the only one. <laughs> Between this movie and uh, and uh, adjust your tracking, they're uh, they're overlapping interviews. They interview many of the same people, um, but the good part is, is a lot, most of those people don't really have the exact same thing to say. They have a little something else, and they do something different with them. So it's not just talking heads repeating themselves. And they have a few more filmmakers from the actual '80s and stuff talking about. How uh, you know VHS kind of like level the playing field in a lot of ways. You know, you could have a movie like you know Terminator that has this giant budget and makes a lot of money in the box office, whereas you can have a movie like Puppet Master, which has like such a little budget, but once it gets to the VHS, is just blows up entirely and makes you know even more money than Terminator did on VHS. So interesting things like that. But uh, that's a good flick, and but uh, the the big one I wanted to talk about is Laura and I got a chance to go see Your Next, directed by Adam Wingard. Uh, oh yeah, I saw this too. And so I, I figure we need to talk about this for a second because um, Matt, let's 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 first get your opinion on Your Next. Um. Okay. I think uh, I I think I texted you when you asked me about this that I I thought it was a significant uh, step in the evolution of a very tired subgenre of the home invasion thriller. Um, I really enjoyed the lead actress. I think that it uses uh, the form and content of the particular style of film in interesting ways that are sometimes very funny and amusing. Um, I don't know. I think it's pretty great. I I enjoyed myself watching it. I agree. I, 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 yeah, I think I don't know. I think it's it's a step forward because there are a lot of these these days, and uh, thank God it wasn't the fucking purge. Yeah, exactly. It was like the purge was just kind of like what something like this could have been, and an idea that was a really good idea, but the execution itself by the end of it wasn't completely there. Um, th- this movie is most likely, and this is this is funny. Here's a quick little story about this. While we we're going in to uh, <laughs> to get our tickets. There was a uh, cop standing up talking to the uh, chick that was uh, taking tickets and or uh, you know selling the tickets and whatnot. We we're like uh, two for your next, and uh, they were like, "Oh yeah, that's that's a pretty good movie. That's a pretty good movie." And the one guy says, "You know, it's like a modern day The Strangers." I'm like, "Modern day The Strangers from like 2007, <laughs> 2008? What is yes, you, modern day? Modern day? You like fucking? It was made three years later than that. <laughs> but but oh, um, this one, I." In the in the pantheon of it, I, I would put it close. I, I would put it in the same kind of uh, area as you were uh, with uh, the strangers. Though I found the strangers to be a far more scary movie. But then again, I don't think this one is meant to be nearly as scary. It is a uh, you know a, a kind of frightening film with this home invasion and whatnot. And there's a there is a large amount of humor in it. And I think it's a great kind of throwback, really, to a lot of the '80s stuff, especially you know towards the end and like a great. Synth pop soundtrack. Laura's just shaking her head. So yeah, let's, let's hear let's it from you, dear. Let's jump into the real format of this podcast where we talk about how we really like something. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then and Laura then goes, Laura this is terrible. 
Why did you not like this? I mean, this is what this is what's so amazing to me about this because by the end of this, I thought this. I was like, dude, this is right up her alley, man. It's nope. harking it back to the eighties. <laughs> nope. It is that kind of. It's it's so got that vibe and feel to it, and the soundtrack and the way that. Uh, you know, the characters are setting up stuff. I thought it was so much fun. And then I look over you and she's just like, that sucked balls. And I'm like, are you kidding me? This should totally be your thing. Why was it not your thing? Uh, I was expecting the wet bandits to make an appearance, step on a few broken uh, ornaments, and Kevin McAllister to slide down the staircase or something. I, I did not like it. I didn't think it was that good. I... A tough female heroine? Again, it's one of those things. It's like, how are you not a fan of this thing? A girl coming in and kicking ass. I just didn't. I didn't find it scary. I was sitting there, and at the end of it, I was just laughing at the absurdity of um, how she was coming up with these traps that she just happened to have been raised on an Australian outback, so she knows all these things. Just just happened. Just total fucking coincidence. Um, Did I? Was I the only one? it's It's not presented that way at all, by the way. Oh, you guys are, I know you guys are going to disagree with me, and no, 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 I, I love no, a good on, slasher hold on, flick. Hold on, let's talk, I, I mean, look, you're saying that it's a coincidence, and she starts making traps, but the reality is that throughout the entire film, once shit starts happening, she's the only one that's proactive. I and know then that, as, but I mean, as it's it goes just on, that, hold on, people, people ask her later in the film how she knows all this shit, because the the twist is that uh, it's not in theaters anymore, so fuck it. Yeah. The twist is that uh, there are two of the family that are completely in on it, right? And so they are there with her, and they ask her how she's like handling all of this so well. And then she gives the backstory of where of how she was raised, etc. I don't think it's just like it's not that she just happens to be right. Like it's really it is built into her character. And the way that we start to perceive her differently once shit starts happening. Yeah, exactly. It isn't just like, oh, you just happen to know this, but you can see it from her actions before that, before the actual like, oh, by the way, I do this. And then you jump into action is it is there is something about her when the thing when the shit starts to hit the fan is that you're like, oh, this one's acting way different than the other ones. And, you know, you wonder why that is. And then you find out later to reveal the story, I thought. And and it and it is a coincidence in the literal meaning of it's being a coincidence, but I don't think that it's just like, you know, you, it's not like at the end of the film you find out that she did all of this because of this. It's it's slowly it's building toward that, and then there's the revelation, and then she continues after that. Go ahead. No, I just I said I didn't like it. I didn't find it scary. I, I just sat there, and I think you noticed I was laughing at the end of it because it was so fucking ridiculous. So ridiculous. I thought that's what made it fun. <laughs> no, I just thought it was ridiculous. I'm sorry. Didn't no. No. Right. Not not for me. I didn't I love horror and that just that just didn't do it for me. <laughs> what? Nothing. You guys are you, this is what's gonna happen with gravity. You guys are gonna It's just, not at all. I promise you it won't no. happen with all gravity. Right. I, the, the, so what I'm giggling at is uh it seems like every time that I've been on the podcast and there's been a horror movie uh, that both Adam and I have liked, you hate it, <laughs> and then you go, but I, I really like horror. I, I was just, a, it was, it, I don't even doubt you, I'm just, it's an amusing thing. Well, wait a minute, which ones have you guys talked about that you really like that I didn't? 
I don't remember. Uh, there was Evil Dead, right? Oh, but there, that's a and good was, reason, though. No, no, I'm not even. Well, I'm not even. And Laura, was, I'm not discount. Uh, I'm not discounting the reason. All yeah. I was saying was it's a pattern that I find amusing to myself. And, and I so didn't I super love Evil it. Dead either. I mean, I was, I was, I was a little more on the fence than I think she was more towards the fuck. You were more towards the, this is good, and I was more kind of like the. Eh. No, right? No, it's just the pattern of uh, <laughs> of like the the like the feeling to to explain like you like horror. I don't like. I don't know if any of us would doubt that. Is my point. <laughs> I don't know it is. It just seems a funny coincidence that everyone that we ever talk about that you guys really like is one that I cannot get into <laughs> at all. I just. It's okay. But speaking of horror I, films, I let me you, remind you guys: filmfind dot com. Let's and go back we'll to that. Thirty one days of right? horror. <laughs> All right, so uh, with that, we are going to take a break. I will agree, the purge does suck. The but, purge was, yeah, like, but wasn't go, it? See? But see, wasn't it a decent idea, but bad execution? Do, exactly. Can we all agree on that? Exactly. That I like, did gosh, like the, this is something that really could have been. If we're going to talk about the purge, I did like the guy who was who was instigating, who wanted to get in the house to get to the guy to kill him. I thought that guy was great. Hope we see more from him in the future. Oh, I, I hated don't that good, guy. Huh? <laughs> I hated that guy. It was so annoying. Really? I dug him. I thought he was one of the better uh, parts of it. I, I mean, but I, did, like, I, I will say I did like that to. movie until Ethan Hawke's out of the picture. And then once it becomes not the movie that I thought it, it uh, could have been, um, I lose interest very well, It'll be interesting to see what they do with the sequel. I hope it's one from the other perspective. I hope it's... Honestly, like the sequel could be saved if it's just Lena Headey deciding she's going to go and track down all of those people. That could be cool too. So, but I doubt they'll do it. Well, a Lannister always collects his debt. That's or pays his debt. That's true. Shit. Lannister always collects debts. No, not collects, but pays his debts. Right? Uh, Shit, yeah, I'm, awful. I'm awful. I'm yes. awful. Indeed. Oh, fuck. <laughs> In any case, yes. All right, that is it for the What You've Been Watching segment. We are going to take a break, and we are going to come back with our review of this week, Alfonso Caron's Gravity. Stay tuned. When our rockets veer off course, it spells sabotage. Lightning Bolt is then called into action. The secret agency is headed by Captain Flanagan. Hi, Harry. And Lieutenant Harry Sennett. In my shower. Then play host and scrub my back. A supercharger of suspense when this fiendish human monster tries to control the world from his underwater city. A supercharger of horror in the hibernation chamber where his playthings are kept alive and then destroyed at will. A super challenge when confronted with the most exciting undercover agents in the world. I'll bet you're George Hipplewhite, Harvard, 1955. Hi. I'll step out of your sun, baby. I'm sure you wouldn't want to be shadowed. How do you like my tan, Harry? Tantalizing. Action. 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 Don't miss this Technicolor Supercharger. Lightning Bolt, the supercharger of the year. It will jolt you. It will electrify you.
All right, everybody, welcome back. We are going to jump into our new review of this week. Uh, it has been quite some time since we've seen some work from Alfonso Caron. And uh, this weekend, we've got this, uh, what, what what did I say, six, seven years? Seven years since we've seen a film from him? So it's been quite some time. Here is the trailer for Gravity. Explorer, this is Houston. Go ahead, Houston. With debris, debris is from a BSE sat. To repeat, I have a We have to go, we have to go, go, go. Houston, Explorer, copy. Explorer, Dr. Stone requesting faster transport to Bay Area. Explorer, do you copy? Explorer, permission to retrieve Dr. Stone. You're a go, Houston. Houston, this is Explorer, copy. Right. We've lost Houston. We've lost Houston. That was the trailer for Gravity, the new release review of this week, uh, directed by Alfonso Caron, written by Alfonso and Jonas Caron, uh, starring Sandra Bullock, George Clooney, and oh my gosh, how excited was everybody to hear Ed Harris as the voice of Mission Control? <laughs> oh my god, I was, pretty good. I was so stoked, and, I, and like honestly, I was like... You know what? It shouldn't be anybody but him. His his performance in uh, Apollo thirteen, as 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 many things he's in. Let's be honest. Ed Harris is a fucking national treasure, but he was so good in that role and to kind of reprise a a NASA role for him. I thought was great, and to only actually hear his voice because he does have a quite the distinctive voice. And damn it, that was brilliant casting on on in 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 my opinion. Totally didn't catch it. Well, wow. totally didn't catch it. <laughs> All right, here's the IMDb logline. A medical engineer and astronaut work together to survive after an accident leaves them adrift in space. Now, as you, as you heard from the uh, trailer that we just played, this is that was kind of a sparse trailer, and I chose one that's kind of uh, sparse, and I didn't want too much information going into this. Um, I went to see uh, Prisoners uh, with my dad and brother uh, a couple weeks back here. And uh, they played a, a, a trailer of this, and I like uh, like a quarter of the way through, just kind of closed my eyes and kind of hummed to myself because I didn't want anything to kind of ruin this experience. And uh, and boy, I'm glad that I didn't because I didn't see a lot of the big giant uh, set pieces and stuff that happened in this movie. So I thought like you know an audio trailer for uh, this movie is going to be really great because it doesn't it just kind of hints at what goes on. So essentially, um, uh, they're they're up. Um, 
fixing the uh, doing some repairs on the uh, Hubble, and um, some things go wrong. <laughs> so they actually there's a uh, the Russians shoot down like an old like uh, spy satellite and everything. And as they're up here trying to fix the Hubble, a giant, you know, swath of debris comes flying at the speed of bullets, as they say. Um, and uh, that's not good for when you're just floating outside in space. And uh, so Sandra Bullock's character kind of gets hit, knocked off, and starts flying away in space. George Clooney's got this backpack that kind of, like, has jetpacks on it. So it's like, I would say it's like a little further in the future. But... Uh, and it's kind of it goes from there. I don't want to say too much about what happens because that's I think the beauty of this film, and I, that that is one thing that I don't think anyone, even the people that would might hate this film, cannot deny that this is a gorgeous looking film. Anyone? Well, you, go ahead, Laura. Yeah, go ahead, Laura. I didn't hate it. I don't want to start start off that everyone <laughs> thinks that I'm going to hate it. I didn't hate it. I thought it was all right. Just was, for the record. It's okay. I mean, I wasn't blown away by it. I think maybe once or twice I was a little nervous for the character. But uh, for the most part, I was like, eh, I think I can kind of figure out what's going to happen here. But um, it was very pretty. Totally unnecessary in 3D. <laughs> okay, we'll get into that in just a second. But uh, Matt, your overall thoughts. Uh, I do think that... Uh, just on the pure level of the filmmaking itself, it's unlike anything that I can recall. Um, I mean, they invented camera rigs to be able to film actors to look like they were floating around in space constantly. Um, I, I think it's, a, it's an astounding technical achievement, uh, and it looks great. Uh, even if you don't go with 3D, see it on the biggest screen possible. Um, that means if you have the choice of seeing it, uh, at a little art house theater versus multiplex and seeing, seeing it on a 300 seat theater screen, that's much larger. Definitely do that. I don't care about the art house thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's my overall thing. I, I, I did think that it worked pretty well as a thriller, um, you know, there are situations that they get into and have to get out of. And it's pretty much on the clock because uh, everything uh, stops functioning, right? If it gets hit by space, by the space debris from the satellite, uh, things start falling as they get closer to the Earth's atmosphere because the gravitational pull and they're no longer able to fight against it, right? So space stations, etc., are constantly on their way down. Right. And and that's where a lot of the suspense comes from, right? Is uh, she has to uh, navigate space um, and all these different situations. And every 90 minutes, that debris is just making its orbit again. Yeah, and that's, that's what's like, I, I don't know. I, gotta, I, I agree with you, but for me, this whole thing, and, and I realized it afterwards by, and this sounds so silly, I didn't drink much of my drink during this film. And I know it's just like, well, what the fuck does that have to do? I think I was just so focused on what was going on, and I, I for me, it was it seemed tense just about the entire time as to things that were going on. I was on the edge of my seat, and the way that this thing is shot, and uh, it, it is absolutely 
gorgeous. The shots are amazing. Alfonso Caron has been known, especially in his last couple films, for these super long takes that he's been doing. There's mm-hmm. uh, several in Children of Men that everybody have like just as, uh, have, you know, and rightfully so, put up as just these amazing long one take things. And while there's a lot of uh, fancy trickery as to when and where edits are in a lot of the uh, opening scenes. There's it's probably I would say before the actual, you know, what what appears to be an actual cut cut. There is I mean, it's probably 10 minutes at least, but it's all on this continual shot. So you get this feeling of being, you know, there. And I and then, you know, Laura said the 3D was unnecessary. And, you know, perhaps you could watch it and enjoy it without 3D. But the 3D for me totally immersed me in this experience. Now, I'm not a person that says 3D is, you know, right for everything out there. But I think 3D can be used as a tool to be able to convey the story to the viewer. And I think something like this most certainly warrants it. Uh, There are several different shots that go into kind of a first-person perspective and everything. So it gives you – it truly is a you-are-there situation. You are, you know, behind the glass of this spacesuit seeing, you know, this impossible thing before you. And the 3D puts everything into perspective. I mean, you know, pardon the pun. But it, it, it's absolutely, you know, apropos for this situation is you see, okay, that's how far that thing is away from you. And that's where you've got to go from here to over there. And it is a vast different uh, distance. And, you know, I, I love the uh, the title, the little title uh, lines up at the uh, beginning about how, you know, in space there is no sound. There's no air pressure no, or no oxygen. Uh, uh, life in space is impossible, I believe, was the actual uh, line. And they, they, they prove that. And I think the, uh, the sound design in this movie is absolutely amazing. Also, that's one of the reasons that I tell people, go see it on an IMAX, even if it's the Fomax one, because it's going to be big, it's going to be in 3D, and they take care of the actual sound in there. And the sound, nine times out of ten, is really, really good there. And the sound design in this plays a giant role in the sound and lack of sound in a lot of different ways, which I thought was just uh, very... Very impressive and just kind of brings a weight to things that, no, you know, you could have this big giant explosion sound, but A, that sound wouldn't happen in real life. And B, poison almost scarier when you don't hear an explosion. You don't hear that debris rushing towards you. You just, it's this tiny little speck in the distance. And if you're not watching, if you're not paying attention, then just swoops right over you and starts taking everything out around you. And it's scary as shit. And, like, that's why I thought this film is amazingly... Uh, just tense and just, it's well done. Damn it. It was good. <laughs> and certainly, uh, extremely well crafted regard, like all around. I don't and think that- anyone could ever dispute that. Uh, as far as the 3d go- goes, um, and then I'd like to bring Lauren on this cause I kind of agree with her in some respects. I, I am very, very tired of 3d. Um, I don't go to see things very often in 3D. I do think in this film it does exactly what you say it does, uh, which is uh, puts you there in a way that the flatness might remove you. Although I can't speak to that because I haven't seen the non-3D version of it, right? Um, but in any case, it, it also like doesn't do the the typical either complete completely ignoring 
3 d that some some things do when you when you go see a three d film like oh they might shoot it in three d but they don't want you to think of it as like a gimmick, so they completely ignore the three d it's not like watching uh, Friday the 13th they, they part don't three. do that in this film, however, it's also not all the way to the other side of complete gimmickry um and that in and of itself can also be enjoyable i think i I've mentioned to you before that to the to the best examples I've ever seen of three the use of three D is uh, uh, both um, uh, the Cave of Forgotten Dreams the Werner Herzog documentary about cave painting mm-hmm. um, only because when when he gets to the like for the vast majority of that film it's completely unnecessary however once you're in the cave and you're seeing all these beautifully lit uh, 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 images of the cave paintings themselves, the 3D actually lends it a texture, right? So you can see the curvature of the painting on the cave and kind of get the experience of being there, which is valuable in and of itself, I think, even if the film doesn't necessarily use the 3D outside of that very well or for any other great use. The other thing that I really liked in 3D, and uh, I don't I don't know how you guys feel about this. I don't know if you even saw it in 3D. Was uh, was driving angry the Nicolas Cage movie that's by the director of, of My Bloody Valentine remake the three D remake of My Bloody Valentine and there's something about that film's use that, that's very carnivalesque and fun uh, much the same way that Jackass three is um, and I know that Laura you've mentioned that movie before oh and, such a good use three D <laughs> see that's yeah, the, the only agree. the only one of three D the movie that she's liked has been Jackass three seriously I'm- well and I, and I think that's completely valid because what that film is is that carnival right by itself mm-hmm. um, and it does enhance the experience of being at that carnival I, yeah I completely agree like when I when I saw Jackass three D uh, I went and told people I was like that's one of the best movies I've seen this year. And half of that, like, being the best was because it was in 3D as well. It was just a lot of fun to have 3D used in that way because everybody shies away from it, right? Yeah, exactly. Because, in, and like you said, it is those two extremes of, you know, oh, we're not really doing 3D to, whoa, it's right in your face, isn't it? And, like, and, you know, and sometimes when you have something like a jackass 3D that can be, whoa, right in your face, and it totally earns it, and it's like, oh, that's what I kind of wanted for something like this. Well, I love the opening of Jackass 3D, where they would do the slow mo mm-hmm. as they were painting, and in the 3D, it just it looked nice. And then, of course, you know, dildos, dongs, shit, all sorts of things just being right. launched in 3D. It just <laughs> it added to it. Then again, I have a very, I have a big the fondness. Lumiere brothers are smiling down on us from above. Yeah, but actually closest to what the Lumiere's were doing. So <laughs> it's probably, yeah, you know, you're you're actually very correct. <laughs> now that I truly think about it, it's like, you know, that, if they had the technology. But, uh, anyway, anyway, I guess so. Given that, and like, like the ways that I've liked 3D's use, I'm I guess I'm curious as to why Laura didn't like it in this film because um, I've heard her talk about it in other films, and I'm more inclined to agree with her. Although I feel like here it. I don't know. It gives the film kind of a texture that's different and, or for me personally. Right. But I I would like to just like, if there is a specific or if you're just burned out on it in general, I am burned out on it in general. I think it is a shitty cash grab 
for studios to just release movies in 3D to get just more money, just to squeeze in nickel and dime. Um, because going to the movies is becoming more and more expensive. And one of the things that I didn't mind about shilling the extra dough to go see something in 3D was majority of the time idiots that would talk during movies or just generally be rude probably wouldn't spend more to go see this movie in 3d they're probably gonna go see the regular 2d right now, but yet I, I almost had to stab a motherfucker when well, you we were don't in- cut me off i'm about to say i think that's kind of shifting um especially with more popular movies where mm-hmm. people are beginning to go see it in 3d i just to, to me i do wear my glasses sometimes and I wear my con. I'm. I have very bad nearsight. I'm very nearsighted, so I have to wear contacts or I have to wear glasses. Um, I did have to wear glasses through gravity, which sucked because of the projection. I don't know if Ed, if you have this problem with your glasses, I can see reflections and stuff when in the 3D. So I From find it very distracting, and, and I just didn't. I didn't feel the same like when I would watch Jackass 3D, which I, I, I know I'm comparing stupidity to gravity here i'm not trying to but just in the overall experience with the 3d i didn't really feel it with gravity i know a lot of people talk about hugo is worth it in 3d no yeah, i didn't I think thought, hugo I, totally I don't think it was i thought it was i thought it was for me but i also understand the view of why it wouldn't be in hugo yeah because I, I, i've since watched it without the 3d and it's just as fine i can agree <laughs> I, I mean i, 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 I think i'm I on think the same gravity boat. would be the same way i i just I, I'm sick of it. I'm sick of 3D. I, I don't care about any of it. I can't think of anything that's really made it worthwhile other than Jackass 3D, which I think speaks volumes, that a movie that really isn't a cinematic masterpiece, that isn't going to win Oscars and stuff, pulled off 3D better than movies that will get... Oh, I'm sorry. I, got hit, I hit the mic there. We'll, we'll get... Movies that will get nominated that use 3D, I don't think do it did it as well, if that makes any sense. And, you know, and even in the Avengers, I don't think it was worth it. Well, that's the thing. Avengers wasn't even shot in 3D. I just... And, mm. but, but I haven't seen any of the Marvel things in 3D. Uh, I haven't gone to see a single one. I have it doesn't because matter. I'm married to a super nerd that has to see all of this shit in 3D. <laughs> Hello. I'm going I'm to put my well, foot he, down. I don't know if, he, I don't know if he's, he's more nerdy. I think we're on the same level here. I just don't, uh, like... As far I love the Marvel movies, she's just I willing rather, to say I'm willing to throw down extra money to, just to. Well, here's the thing. But, but however, however, I would I would rather spend the extra money instead of seeing it in 3D than going to see it again a month later. Yeah, and, and so like that's how I, t- I tend to do it. I, I guess for With me, it's still it is kind of. I, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm stupid, and many people would argue that that's absolutely true. But um, I, I, for me, somewhat, as long as it's done fairly decently and with the strives and technology that we've had, even movies that aren't shot in 3D that have done post-convert in 3D, like The Avengers, have, like, really, really stepped up. It's like the, the stereoscopic people have oh, yeah, really come a long way. They've really gotten on the ball and figured out how to do this and, and put it out in such a fashion that you know it doesn't seem all the time like it is just a rush shitty post convert you know cash grab job mm-hmm. like say C- clash of the titans was that was like the first kind of thing that people were like this was a 3d uh uh, cash grab because all of a sudden it was just like two months out there like oh yeah and we're doing it in 3d it was just like well this can't be good and the results were absolutely atrocious everyone was pissed off when they went to see it in 3d because it looked like absolute garbage and then they were pissed off because it was a crappy movie but right. <laughs> i do want to make a mention i could see not only is it squeezing out extra money but i can see hasn't hasn't 3d kind of squashed some piracy because you really can't 
record, perhaps to a degree. But the thing is, this is that like it still is kind of a novelty in a way, and um, it was the thing. It, it all harkens back, like originally, to just actual movie movies themselves coming out and the debut of television, and how you know we had to go from four three aspect to sixteen nine cinemascope and all that stuff was to get people to say, hey, look. The stuff that you you see on your TV, that can't be you know you can't do that over here at the theater. So we need something to bring people out. And even though that we've we keep advancing along with those times that we have 3D televisions for the home now, there's still nothing like going to see something that's on a 60 foot wide screen that is 3D. It's just not an experience that you can quite get at home. Is it whether or not it's worth the money is absolutely 110 percent debatable. But you know for something that you just cannot replicate at home even with you know even if you have an 80 inch television you're still not going to be able to replicate that in the same fashion that you would as if you went into a theater like Mm -hmm. for example i thought i I didn't think like the hobbit worked in 48 frames a second and in 3d i would have much rather seen that in 24 frames and uh in 2d I think that's something that, like, I don't want to say that was a cash grab per se, because I think that's really Peter Jackson more uh, messing around with the format and experimenting and uh, the actual yeah, making think, of films. I do think you're right, and that, yeah, in that in that instance, I feel like it's it, it was Jackson trying to push technology in some way. Now, whether or not it, it worked it was, is, you know, is, again, is debatable. But at least that was something that was trying to propel things forward, trying to do things, and uh, that's where you can also point at James Cameron and Avatar. While you know, I I don't think Avatar was the best movie. That do I think it deserves to be the number one film of all time? Hell no. But yeah. it it was innovative, and it was something people went out and they were like, you know what, we're going to try to perfect this stereoscopic thing that other people are doing but haven't seemed to really crack the nut on how to get it to work amazingly well. And Avatar, despite its flaws for a story, was the 3D was spectacular in that film. And that that's what hopefully it needs to come back to. And even Cameron himself says 3D has really been overwrought at this point and, and has been used far too much. And to a degree, he's right. I think we need to make it more of an event film kind of thing. But... It's not to say that, you know, if not done properly, it couldn't work in, you know, a, a, a drama. Who knows? I mean, well, I'm, it's waiting well, for somebody I mean, the, to really this, grab onto mm. that and try to be that director who says, you know what? Well, gravity I'm is gonna, kind of that drama, it, right? In a I sense, mean, it is. It's, it's still, I don't want to say it's sci-fi because it is very based in, you know, reality for the most part. But it mm-hmm. is a more fantastical than, you know, two people sitting on a couch. Well, that's true. I mean, you know, without trying to put anything out there regarding its reality. I mean, I was reading a, an article that had like physics professors talking about the physics of, of gravity. I think I read that article in well. the film and like how realistic it actually was, which is fascinating in and of itself. Um, I, I do think that gravity is that adult film uh, that Cameron was talking about. Um I don't think that you'll ever see it in like a like a drawing room drama kind of context. I don't think that it'll ever get used for that. It's too expensive to do one, um, and two. Those types of movies never make the bank that The Hobbit makes. Right? True, um, but it, but it definitely is as far as sci-fi goes a huge step forward from what Avatar was story-wise <laughs> and anything and. Uh, so I do think like we have reached that moment. The question is like, what do we do now? 
And I, I have to agree with uh, Laura. Like, I do think it's a huge cash grab the majority of the time. Even, even for the stuff that I've thought used 3D really well, most of the time a huge cash grab. Um, part of the reason I think Jackass works even at context is that Jackass is unabashedly a cash grab in and of itself. Right? Oh, yeah. Um, and, and that's part of what makes it fun. You know exactly what you're getting when you go in there. And, uh, like, that movie, that movie's fucking awesome. So I'm not... <laughs> Not even really trying to. Oh, love it! I, God, I love those but, Jackass movies. We can buy a 3D television. But anyway, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's how I'm going to try to get one of those. I, I think, I think technically it is a leap forward in the right direction as far as both the use of 3D and just visual style. Um, you know, it, it used camera in a way, and particularly the 3D camera in a way that we haven't really explored. Um, a lot before there. Yeah. There's the stuff that flies toward the screen and, but I I mean, there is a depth to this movie being the vast in the vastness of space that is interesting in that stereoscopic like aspect ratio that they provide, right? Where, uh, when you look out the window of one space station and see the other destination that she has to reach, right? Uh, there is a depth there that the, 3D is impacting in some way with various levels of, uh, you know, glass windows that you're looking out of. And I I don't know, it's a depth of field thing that I really appreciated in this film um, versus other films that have used 3D. You're right. It's literally used for storytelling. Yeah, which which is nice. I mean, it, it, it still may not be for everyone. And I know that as far as the, like, glasses wearing thing with those glasses... Uh, it can also cause like headaches and whatever. Uh, I'm blessed with not having to wear the wear glasses yet, um, so I don't have the issue. I will eventually. Everybody and my family does as they get older, um, but I, I don't know. I, I didn't find it particularly troublesome here, personally. All right. Well, let's uh, let's 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 wrap up. Do we, do we want to get into spoilers any at all here? Because I want to maybe talk I don't about think a little so, bit. Because it's really uh, simple, right? No, Laura, do you want to talk about anything specific? Mm. Oh well, there is one thing I wanted to touch on. Adam didn't catch it, and I wonder if you did, Matt, as you were watching sure. the movie. Did it seem very fetal to you? Like yes. baby in the womb. You ca- you caught all those references, right? Yeah. I think okay. I like subconsciously saw some well, of it, I mean, but it didn't. But not it as much many. Spells it out by the point that she uh, like makes it into the st- space station and finally gets the suit off the first time, right? Yeah, Adam it didn't spells catch it out that. for you then. Well, I, no, well, I, I didn't see. I didn't see the you know the artificial umbilical cord, as it were. I mean, I, I obviously got that that was the position that she was in and everything, but I didn't see the. But also, when the, she's like, once she gets out there, she's just floating around in, inside the airlock the first time. She literally curls up into yeah. You know, but and and of course with the actual tether uh, to Clooney, and I think yes. Clooney is going to be underlooked in this film. Sandra Bullock did a he's fantastic definitely job. Definitely going to be because well, one he's just, he's likable in real life anyway. I feel like um, I, I know people don't like him, and I know that people don't like his movies, but what? I feel like generally as as far as celebrity is concerned, he's a very likable personality. Yeah. Um, and that's easy to overlook. I mean, he, I feel like he gets overlooked all the time. The, when he made The American a couple years ago, um, he was overlooked for that role. A and it's, vastly you know, there's, underrated movie. There's, a, there's an aspect to when you are watching Clooney, who is very akin to the old-style movie star, right? Like, 
George Clooney's picked for a role because he has a certain something about him that you want in your film. Um, and I think that that can lend people to overlook his acting ability, which is actually quite high. I mean, there's a reason that this guy became so famous, and it's not just because he has the striking good looks. I mean, that's part of it, but it's not all of it, right? He's had a very successful and highly regarded acting career outside of being someone who looks pretty. I mean, he is um, he is Oscar winner George Clooney for for acting. So yeah, know, there is that. But Syria. but I, I yeah. I think, and rightly so, honestly, in this film, like he will be overlooked. But I do have to say, as far as Sandra Bullock concern is concerned, I have given her very little thought over her career. Um, I've seen, admittedly, few things because the vast majority of stuff that she's ever done has not interested you me. You are not a Miss Congeniality two fan. Um, no, uh, <laughs> but I. But what I will about say all about that, Steve? That, what about what? All about Steve. <laughs> I didn't see all. See, about Steve. that's how shitty that or, movie was. Is you're just like, what is that again? <laughs> Get it? No, I, I know all about Steve. Had it's, to with, uh, it's with uh, Bradley Cooper, it's Cooper and right? uh, Thomas, Thomas Hayden Church. Church. Yeah, it's, right. It's pretty fucking bad. I will say about all about Steve. <laughs> what I do, what I do know about it, and this is one of the things that I do respect Sandra Bullock for, is uh, that movie was nominated, and won a ton of Razzie awards. And she showed up at the Razzie Awards and accepted the Worst Picture of the Year award with a wheelbarrow full of DVDs of All About Steve. And everybody that was at the ah. award show got a copy. That's fantastic. And, did, and was, that was the same year she won her Oscar. Am I right about that? Uh, very possibly. Something like that. On side? I think yeah, so. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, so but I will you got to love that, somebody that, I, that can take something like that and just kind of just go, you know what? Yeah. Right. But I, am I still coming through? Yeah. You're, you're, you're breaking up a little bit. Uh, Let me talk real quick. So uh, we'll get get heavier uh, line there. Catch up a little bit. I think it is unfortunate that Sandra Bullock got an Oscar for the blind side. I think she should get it for this because to me, this is a great performance that is worthy of an Oscar nomination. And I think, and, and we talked about this on the show before that, um, a lot of times it's like, oh, it's just someone's time to have an Oscar. And people were like, oh, but Sandra Bullock's done so much over her career. And, like, you know, that's kind of why she got this Oscar. And it's like, honestly, I like the lady. She's nice enough and everything. But I don't think anything in her uh, body of work has led up to anything that was even close to this performance. And right. I, I, my guess is she'll probably be probably be at least nominated for this role. But it's a shame that, like, this wouldn't be the one that she won the Oscar for, something that I truly believe that she would deserve an Oscar for. Now, granted, we're still a couple of months off from the rest of uh, all the big hitters coming out and everything. Well, and there haven't been a ton of great female roles this year either, which which is unfortunately the case most years, right? Uh, Women very much underwritten by Hollywood. Yeah, and it, it I except I mean the only one that truly pops out is like Melissa Leo in Prisoners, and that was another like she's just a fucking chameleon in everything that she does, and you're just like, oh, that was her shit. <laughs> that's pretty good. Right. Yeah, I you know, and that's and even that role that's like why I, small. That's why I don't mind that Clooney's probably going to get completely overlooked, is because like she really is that strong in this movie. Um, to where, 
like, you know, Clooney's out there floating around in space listening to his, uh, to his, uh, country Western music and be, being a man's man. Yeah. No, I, I do, I do think it's interesting as well that, uh, I, you know, one of the bigger, uh, performances that is coming up, but everybody's looking is also another movie that someone takes upon themselves completely. It's, uh, uh, Robert Redford in all is lost, um, which is coming up. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's about a guy who's um, a sailor who is lost at sea after a collision with a shipping uh, shipping container. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's only him in that movie, much like Sandra Bullock is pretty much it in here. And it'd be interesting to see an Oscar race uh, where two of the film, two of the nominees and one in the actor and one in the actress category uh, really were doing all of the heavy lifting. You you got to give it up for okay. people that are um, in roles and see how that plays out. And for sure, I mean, you know, you think harken back to you know Tom Cruise and or not Tom Cruise, Tom Hanks rather in Castaway, just pretty mm-hmm. much being the one. And, and gosh, I, you you got to that has got to be quite the undertaking to just be like, okay, ninety percent of this movie's going to be on your shoulders, so don't fuck it yeah. up. <laughs> right. Let's talk about this real quick before we wrap things up, and I. I know you shouldn't probably do this, but whatever, we're going to do it anyway. <laughs> but uh, Gravity was in kind of a production, I don't want to say hell, but it was certainly in a production limbo for a very long time. Things were not kind of uh, getting, uh, just matching up at the right times for uh, Karan in this. Um, and probably for the better, because I don't think, you know, when he really wanted to do this, uh, that the technology to do it and make it look as good and appealing, especially with like the 3D and the camera rigs, was nearly possible back then. So I think this delay ultimately has made this a better film. But for the long time, George Clooney was attached to this movie, I think almost from go, but Mm -hmm. initially uh, the female role has gone through several different iterations. The one that was the most, uh, that that was there for the most time was um, Angelina Jolie in the Sandra Bullock role. Yes. And I just think how it would be interesting if, because and and amazingly, because I, I thought I was just like, man, I'm going to spend the whole time in this going, boy, this would be better if it were Angelina Jolie. And you know what? I don't I don't know that at the end of it that I would agree with that. Yeah, I don't think it could. I, I don't, don't think, think it so. would be. Sandra Maybe. Bullock, you know, she seems like now granted, you know, Angelina Jolie has adopted a swarth of uh, children from other countries. So she and, and had babies herself. So she is an actual mother. But Sandra Bullock is somebody that we buy as that mother. In, yeah. in, so, but gosh, she, like I got to say, I, I'm, I Laura, was truly, truly, gonna, truly astounded by her role. Oh no, I was about to say I agree. I don't think Angelina Jolie would have been would have done better. I think she's someone right now that suffers from the um, the interest of her in her personal life. If that makes any sense, to really find her believable in roles. Oh, right, perhaps. I, I, a little I, bit. It kind of takes me out a little bit. I could see she that. she has that Clooney problem that Clooney would. She, I, she's on the same level of celebrity, I think, like move, like movie star wise, right? Mm-hmm. Like her star power. But Clooney gets away with it because he's not like nobody knows as much about his private life, right? Yeah, it's just like it's him, his pig, and whatever like hot twenty six year old waitress he's fucking this week. <laughs> well, I mean, but regardless, like like there's a privacy about him that I think allows him to function. Um, in in Hollywood a bit differently than Angelina Jolie would have or, or does even, but but even in this film, right? Yeah, I, I mean, do you say, think that's right, Laura? I, uh, 
I don't want to take what you're saying and twist it, but I, I mean, that's the correlation that I make is like, they're kind of the same level of movie star, right? Yeah, I would say so. But I think in a way it also kind of works. It works for everybody's benefit in this because uh, his character is the, you know, the elder statesman in this. It, mm-hmm. This is his last space run, so he wants to make this one worth it. It's her first one, and because, you know, she's not an actual astronaut, she's fidgety, and she's, you know, not quite having everything together. And I, I think it totally works. And I think somebody probably like Angelina Jolie, you probably wouldn't buy that kind of, like, like shakiness as much. You probably wouldn't buy that kind of like, oh, I'm not really sure about. Oh, look at me, I'm a fucking professional over here. <laughs> you wouldn't buy that uh, that kind of like, oh, I'm not quite sure about this, and the you know the unsureness that she has in that character. That's something that it seems that Sandra Bullock could actually pull off because you look at Angelina Jolie and you don't say you don't say to yourself that woman may have some inner problems because she just has that over. That that you know, seeming self esteem and confidence and bravado to her. That you know, you look at her and you're just like, there ain't nothing that that bitch can't do. But you look at Sandra Bullock and you're just like, mm, she may, you know, you could see her having you know issues in her life. I guess you could say. Yeah, I mean, Sandra Bullock also hasn't made like action films like Julie has, right? That's a good point as well. I mean, so, so it is a different type of star persona regardless. I mean, it's not just the looking at them that, that differentiates how we think about their abilities. It's literally like the roles they've chosen. Right. So even when Sandra Bullock is in an action film, she's not, she's not jumping from a freeway onto a truck or uh, like shooting guns in, <laughs> parabolic curves <laughs> you know what i mean like uh, it's a different thing uh entirely i think but yeah i i gotta say i was i, I was so happy that that wasn't something that was sticking out and you know in my craw for a for the entire thing going boy it would be better if but it didn't it wasn't and uh, i think she did a fantastic job and honestly i i don't know how i could make this movie much better than it was yeah no i i agree i think it's great um, I'm not, I'm still on the fence about how I feel its place and, and the overall spot of the year. Like there are already people talking about how it's the best thing. I'm not quite certain of that. Uh, I, it, well, here's the thing. I, I, I think need to that, let it sit down, sit down in me for a minute. You know what I mean? Yeah. I now I think this could like, to me, this is the textbook case of something that I think could absolutely win for best directing, but not for writing. The story in and of itself is not tremendously deep. It's a very simplistic story. It's just, it's very cut and dry. Here's what this is. For the most part, you can infer what, what they're trying to get across here about, you know, the human condition and whatnot. So it's not anything that I would think would get like an Oscar nomination for writing or anything, but as far as like directing and cinematography's, right down and and of course bullock's acting would be right down the line for something that could line itself up do i think it has a chance to being one of the best films of the year possibly do i think it is the best film of the year i wouldn't quite go so far as to say that but then again we still have a couple months here's an interesting question uh that i that i'd like to pose to both of you uh especially after the uh weirdness of lie winning cinematography last year um do either of you feel like this film has a chance at cinematography or will it suffer from backlash? I mean, I, 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 I also want to add an addendum, like put an addendum to that question and that I feel like it's very different 
from Life of Pi in that the rigging for the camera played such a large part in how this movie was made. So literally there was work on the part of the cinematographer that wasn't just sitting in front of a green screen, although the green screen is extensively used, right? Right. Um, anyway, uh, one, two, three, go. <laughs> no, uh, Laura, do you have thoughts on that? Mm, I don't know. I, I thought it looked beautiful, but... I don't know. What would you consider it, its competition this year so far, though? Well, no, just the like comparison wise between. I think. Like, I think and- if it's, so, so the I think the question that I that I'm interested in and that I've been thinking about since I saw it was so Life of Pi wins and then gets mm-hmm. completely criticized because most of what happens in front of the camera in like or even with the camera in life is um, CGI. Is, is CGI? It's the same issue here. Except for the fact that the one thing this this film has going for it, cinematography-wise, is the innovation in camera rigging and the ability to manu- maneuver around actors in a very specific way that emulates the physics of being in space, right? So, I guess based on that, I mean, do you think that it'll, like, that will help it in that way or will it suffer from some of the backlash that i think life of pi got i think or, it would suffer from backlash to be honest it, i think overall it's we're in a very difficult place for cinematography right now because we are at a point where it is almost film is almost extinct as as, as a medium i mean there's still a couple of people out there that are that are the kind of mavericks if you will your tarantinos your nolans uh jj abrams a couple other people that will just will probably grab a hold of the film and just choke it until it dies and for good or for bad and like and, and, and there's merits for both in my opinion but i think really um you you can go all the way back to i mean the first the first uh best cinematography for uh that that was in digital went to uh Slumdog Millionaire, which was a good-looking film, was probably the best-looking film that year. I, I don't know that I would go so far as to say that. But then you have, you know, the one to me that was the one that was just that was a giant what the fuck was Avatar. Avatar came out and like that was one that was literally, you know, ninety percent of that stuff was CGI and it and it really blew my. Yeah, there mind. wasn't even the maneuvering. Or, yeah, it wasn't even the maneuvering around actors. It, for a majority it of really that, right? pissed me off that that one best cinematography and that. And there are there are technical Oscars now. We're not really privy to it because what they usually do, and they have a little moment talking about it in the uh, Academy Awards proper, but uh, they usually hire some attractive actress to go and uh, give all the nerds all their uh, Oscars for their uh, lovely technical achievements. And while those things are great and they're and they're absolutely warranted. I'm I'm still not even 100 percent sure where I stand as opposed in regards to. Um, whether or not that should be taken into account for the film that we're actually talking about for best cinematography, uh, because, like I said, it, it's a tough it's a tough route to uh, to maneuver, and I think we're in such a stage right now in digital cinematography's infancy that it's very difficult to judge where those lines are going to be and where those lines you know divide and blur, mm-hmm. and. Uh, do we start giving for innovation? Do we, you know, is it do, does, is cinematography going to be based more upon something like that? Because uh, when you, because that maybe that's the new science of film, as it were, 
because that's the thing is like with film film is was like something that was like an absolute art and science to do that you know it's an art in the way you shot it and it was a science in the way that you shot it and developed it and treated it you know pre and post and everything like that it there was such an artistic element to it as long as as well with the scientific element because you are so rolling the dice you're just like we're going to pre-flash this so it's either going to end up amazing or it's going to fuck everything up and you have to know exactly what you're doing. And that's why, in a way, I was kind of glad that Roger Deakins didn't win for uh, what you call it there, uh, Skyfall. Because I think that would be so sad for his first digital film to go, hey, you know all the stuff, that, the amazing things you did all before that? And that doesn't really count. We like the digital thing you did first. Though uh, his uh, his work in uh, – no, wait. It was, oh, yeah, it was his work in uh, Prisoners, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, – it's it's a rough road, and I think that we're really going to travel down a rocky one for cinematography for the next couple of years until we really figure out what does best cinematography truly mean in a digital world. Yeah, I think you're right. It's, right. it's a tough so, one. I, that was my thing. I've just been thinking about that for a while because I think the comparison is somewhat apt. Well, we're going to fish out for a little uh, comments here. So if you have any thoughts upon uh, uh, on that and uh, the idea of cinematography and what that would actually be worth or how one should judge that, the film find at gmail.com will read your uh, we'll read your email on the air. So uh, let's get down and let's just kind of uh, go for a big wrap up here and uh, talk about just what you liked about the film and your overall grade for it, Laura. It's okay. Yeah, you know, I, 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 know I love how people, concise you are. Well, it's okay. That's okay. That's, that's fine. I didn't, I'm not, I'm not I didn't con- hate it. I, I didn't absolutely fucking love it either. But you know, it's all, it's all right. Um, I'd give it maybe a B. A B. The thing I like about it, it was very pretty, uh, visually awesome. Um, that's about it. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's all right. I yeah. don't. I it just didn't wow me. That's okay, Matt. Your overall. I'm gonna give it a solid A. Um, I yeah, I was kind of my, my breath was taken away while I was watching it several times, uh, just because of how gorgeous it is and just the technical audacity of it. Um, I I said it before and I'll say it again. I can't think of anything visually I've ever seen that is the same, um, and uh, I don't. I don't always make the recommendation to go and see it in an IMAX, but I think you should do yourself the favor and spend the extra money. Uh, I, I wish it weren't in 3D, uh, honestly, for people who might want that option. But unfortunately, with IMAX, uh, that's that tends to be the the option. Yeah. Um, but only because of screen size is why I'm saying IMAX. If, if like I said earlier, if you feel like you want to go see it at the art cinema that has, you know, four 80 seat theaters. Don't go do that. Go and see it, uh, at the evil corporate megalopolis <laughs> and, uh, where they truly love you Spend your money there on a larger auditorium size, even if it's not IMAX or 3d. Yeah. I absolutely agree. I'm giving this a solid a or a four and a half stars on this. I thoroughly enjoyed this film. Um, just, Beautiful to look at. I thought the story was, while very simplistic, that's what it needed to be. 
and I, I kind of praise it for deciding to be simple, deciding to be easy, deciding that, hey, we only need to be an hour and a half long. We don't need to stretch this out into oh, you yes. know, Kubrickian proportions to where it's like this needs to be a two and a half hour study on this moment of – because like if this – I mean if this would have been a Terrence Malick film, it would have been two and a half, three hours. Well, even if it weren't, like thank God someone in, in Hollywood uh, finally figured out that you can – a film that functions like serves the function of a blockbuster and Oscar bait and have it be less than two and a half fucking hours. Thank God it is possible, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so thoroughly enjoyed it. Great performances overall. And like I said, it is uh, it's tough to find anything to criticize about this movie. It is just absolutely thoroughly enjoyable in my opinion. All right, so that is it for our review of Gravity out in theaters right now, directed by Alfonso Cuaron and starring Sandra Bullock and George Clooney. Uh, that'll do it for this. We're going to take a little break, then we're going to talk about what we're going to be doing next week, and that'll be it. So stay tuned, everybody. It ain't no joke, I like to Everybody, that will do it for this week's episode, but we have so much more in store for you. The 31 Days of Halloween Horror are still going on. They will be going on all through the month of October. It is a shitload of work for me to do these videos, so please, for heaven's sake, watch them. Uh, to find all the links for everything that we do, you can go to thefilmfind.com. There you can find the links to uh, follow us on Facebook, Facebook. Uh, Twitter, uh, I think the Instagram thing is probably on there. A whole boatload of stuff, but all the links that you need to know are on there. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Please do that. Uh, next week, it looks like we're either going to be covering Machete or um, uh, oh, Captain Phillips. Either one. Uh, we're going to be doing one or the other. Maybe both. Who knows? So uh, for Matt Smith, Laura Portress, I'm Adam Portress, and we'll see you next time, guys. waiting all systems are gone are you sure control is not convinced but the computer has the evidence no need to abort the countdown starts watching in a trance the crew is certain nothing left to chance all is working trying to relax up in the capsule sent me up a drink jokes major tone the count goes on. Four, three, We're now in orbit.
is up, running perfect, starting to collect, requested data, what will it affect, when all is done, things major time, back at ground control, there is a problem, go to rockets full, not responding, hello major Tom. seen movies <laughs> i've seen movies too damn it you think you think you're the only one to see movies i see movies honestly so, the next thing i'm looking forward to movie wise is bad grandpa i am really looking actually to i'm really looking forward to it as well i am too but i would so i will bad. agree uh well we'll fucking talk about this when we talk about 3d anyway <laughs> <laughs> because i that- think somebody has something to say about 3d i'm tired of it all right i'm i'm tired of it too but not in this movie but we'll we'll talk 3d in a minute all right. let's, let's do the thing. Well, you know, really, uh, as far as Greengrass is concerned, uh, the only movie that we haven't known the outcome of were, were the two Bourne films he directed. Because <laughs> even Green Zone is like, yeah, everything fucked up in Iraq. We know that, you know? Yeah. It's like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so. oh, is, that, is, 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 that, is that how it works? It's not good? It's So it's not good. Oh. Wait, what? Good to know. <laughs> Yes, it's not good. Good to good. know that thanks it's for, not good. Thanks for letting there. us know that five years after we've been in the country. <laughs> hey, did you guys know what's going on here? It's, that's not a positive thing. That's bad. Oh. <laughs> Let's nominate it. <laughs> but, I, but I really do like Greengrass. I am looking forward to Captain Phillips. Hmm. All right.
Radio Voice, man. Radio Hello, Voice. everybody, and this is Radio One. <clears throat> Welcome to the Film Find. Actually, Welcome to the Film Find. Hey. We're going to give away some tickets to the Truck Rodeo later this weekend. <laughs> Sunday, 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 and Saturday. This is handsome Steve Danson over here. Taking the pants off of all the ladies in the Tri-City area. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. She's over there just shaking her head, just going, Jesus, who did I marry? <laughs> this guy. 